We are on strike until further notice starting Friday unless a deal is reached. We will not accept a strike this Friday or any day. Bitter words behind a bitter labor dispute as the province and thousands of its educational workers stand their ground. Good evening. The rhetoric is ramping up, which is disappointing news for families hoping for some resolution to the fight between the Ford government and QP. Lawmakers at Queen's Park are working to push through an historic bill to stop a looming strike, one which the union says is happening no matter what. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with our top story tonight. Siobhan. Well, Nathan, as far as QP is concerned, the only thing that would prevent a walkout on Friday is a negotiated deal. Without one, the union says its members will be off the job, and they aren't saying how long that could last. With the clock ticking closer to a walkout by QP educational support workers, one new Democrat after another was kicked out of the legislature. The opposition turning up the drama to take a stand against the government's move to impose a contract on 55,000 union members. When will the Premier and his ministers stop lying about the damage they're doing to the education system? That kind of accusation doesn't fly at Queen's Park. The member will withdraw his unparliamentary comment. I will not withdraw. I'm telling the truth. They're lying. Mr. Tabins, you are named. You must leave the chamber for the day. 16 NDP members were turfed, furious over a forced contract and the government's use of the notwithstanding clause to block any court challenge. We have rights. We have constitutional rights. And this government is throwing them out because they're too weak to get back to the negotiating table and get a deal with this, with this union. Legislation that imposes a contract is expected to pass tomorrow. At the same time, negotiators from the government and CUPE remain at a downtown hotel. We have made substantial moves across the board on all of our positions in order to try and achieve a deal. A mediator has asked the parties not to spill what's in the union's latest wage proposal. The education minister says the government can work with CUPE, with one caveat. That the union will do the reasonable act of withdrawing the threat of a strike that will impact millions of kids after a an incredible disruption that has affected their lives. It's not something QP is willing to back off of. Without anything changing, we are on strike until further notice starting Friday unless a deal is reached. Leaving the door open to disruption beyond this week. There have been questions about whether other education unions might join CUPE members on picket lines Friday. OSSTF, the union that speaks for a public high school teacher, says it's instructed its members to show up to work on Friday. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. Time is running out for a deal to end this dispute. That's leaving parents across the GTA with little choice but to find childcare solutions for Friday and maybe longer. Our Janice Golding joins us with reaction from families closely watching this standoff. Janice. Hi, Michelle, you're right. While support workers fight for, among other things, higher pay, many parents expressed anxiety to us today about pay of their own if they have to stay home from work on Friday to watch their kids. As Simon Manello dropped his kids off at West Hill Public School this morning, he reflected on what a school strike will mean for him and his family. Stay on, uh, on my, at the house and uh, I watch my kids and that's it. No work. And for Manello, as well as many other parents, no work means no paycheck. Our company now will not pay on us, and uh, it's hard for, for uh, like me, like uh, 
low-income family. And, uh, I can't be able to work. I can't do what I got to do. Yeah, and then I guess you don't get paid if you don't go to work. Exactly, Kirk is right. The union representing 55,000 school support staff has threatened a strike day on Friday, even as the province threatens back to work legislation. So I'm absolutely happy about Friday. We need to take a stand. Santa, an early childhood educator and parent herself, says there's a reason support workers like her gave their union a 96.5% strike mandate last month in the event a deal could not be reached. It's hard as a parent, but it needs to be done because we really need to step up. We're really, really struggling here with salary, the support, all of that. It's well needed. Here is the latest on school boards that say they will shut down in the event of job action. The Toronto District School Board, the Toronto Catholic District School Board, Durham District School Board, Durham Catholic District School Board, York Region District School Board, York Catholic District School Board, and the Dufferin Peel Catholic District School Board. Meanwhile, the Peel District School Board will have students log in online and participate in asynchronous learning with teachers and support staff available remotely. Child care, before and after school programs and extracurriculars will be cancelled. In a nutshell, this would mean kids from every school board in the GTA will be home Friday if there's a strike. That's the part that's kind of nerve-wracking for me, that I don't have anyone to watch them on this Friday, but, I mean, I have to find alternatives. As the union and the province return to mediated talks, with last-minute discussions resuming Tuesday, parents say they just hope the two sides can reach a deal. We'll make them study at home, yeah. but we hope that somehow this strike is averted. So it's a situation of watching and waiting while parents do what they can to make alternate child care arrangements. Now, if an 11th hour deal is reached, we do not know if schools will open. The Toronto District School Board says it is working on a plan, while the Toronto Catholic District School Board tells us if an agreement is reached, it will send out an email to parents with instruction, and they'll also post an update online on its website and on Twitter. Meanwhile, the York Catholic District School Board says it will send out a message on Friday morning at 6 a.m. to parents and will also post information online. Reporting live, I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle. Thank you, Janice. And we have extensive coverage of this dispute online, including that list of the school boards expected to close Friday. Everything parents need to know on our website at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Friday's looming strike will affect tens of thousands of families across the GTA, including many with children who have special needs. We'll hear from some of them a little later this hour about what they think about the dispute and what they want to see happen. That's coming up. A live look at the city tonight, gorgeous sunsets, and it has been an oddly foggy uh, afternoon in downtown Toronto. Still a beautiful day all around, temperature-wise. Yes, it is November, doesn't feel like it. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. How is the evening air? Well, here's the thing, Michelle, everyone living downtown Toronto talking about the fog today. If you live away from the city, you're saying, what fog? We had beautiful sunshine today. Well, it's communities right along the lakeshore of Lake Ontario, around the Golden Horseshoe, under a fog advisory. And for good reason, we have fog making its way off of Lake Ontario, courtesy of some gusty winds that are making their way uh, out of the south and uh, really out of the southeast at this time. So that's blowing that cloud cover into the cities. Temperature-wise, as many it does not feel like November. Waterloo, 18 degrees right now. A little bit cooler for some communities like Oshawa, for example, at 10 degrees. Thanks to, in part, that fog. We've got light rain at the Toronto Islands and brilliant sunshine just before it sets at Pearson International. Coming up, we'll give you an idea of just how long this pattern is going to last. But for now, Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Lindsay. 
Toronto police are searching for a 17-year-old boy accused in a deadly shooting outside a high school in Scarborough. On Monday afternoon, police were called to a shooting in front of Woburn Collegiate Institute. 18-year-old Jefferson Peter Charlie Garrier died of his injuries. A 15-year-old who was also shot is recovering in hospital. Toronto police have received court permission to identify the suspect as Mustafa Kadem of Toronto. Anyone with information is asked to get in touch with investigators. A man's recovering in hospital with life-threatening injuries after a police-involved shooting in Vaughan this morning. Police were called to an industrial plaza on Hanlon Road near Pine Valley Drive at around 8.30 this morning for a weapons call. Officers and a male suspect shared an interaction which ended in the man getting shot. The province's police watchdog is now investigating. Over in Ajax, police have released images of a person of interest said to be involved in a shooting that sent six people to hospital last summer. Durham police are looking to identify this man, who they say is between 25 and 35 years old. He is described as having a slim build, short dark hair, and well-groomed facial hair. He was wearing a blueprint shirt, which was open in the front. Lead foots across the city, be warned. Toronto's adding more speed cameras to its roster, a lot more. By early next year, every ward will have at least three of the devices. Officials say the extra devices will help save lives and improve safety. One area of Toronto that needs all the help it can get is near High Park along Parkside Drive. And that's where we find our John Musselman tonight. John. Well, Nathan, there is one of those speed indicators on this road. We've seen everything from 35 kilometers an hour right up to 70. The posted limit here is 40 kilometers an hour. That's why residents here support these uh, cameras behind me. People who live on Parkside Drive say they aren't surprised. This street ranked number one in the number of tickets issued to speeding drivers. No, it doesn't surprise me at all, and I think uh, they're not catching all of them. You know, on my street, Parkdale Road, I'm constantly watching people speed, and we have lots of children on our street. This high park, you know, and I think maybe the police have to enforce in areas where, you know, the drivers could do the most damage. The motorists are getting picked up on this camera, part of the city's automated speed enforcement program, a community safety zone with a posted limit of 40 kilometers an hour. But the cars coming down the hill on Parkside south of Algonquin appear to be going a lot faster. So I'm a pedestrian, I'm a driver, and I'm a cyclist. And uh, I've just observed that people come gunning up and down this street. It's not just in that one direction. It's not just in that one spot. Here's a look at the numbers. In September, more than 23,000 tickets were issued from cameras right across the city. More than 2,200 of them were here on this stretch of Parkside. That's about 10% of all the tickets. The site selection of these cameras is based on data that indicate where speed and collision challenges exist. The cameras are probably... Uh, a good idea in the sense that it's something at least, but I think it's gathering money for the city, but not necessarily slowing anything down on the street. The city says it will add 25 more speed cameras, which will be operational by February. Those are in addition to the 50 that are already deployed, including the one here on Parkside. This street was the scene of a devastating crash 12 months ago that claimed the lives of two people. Police say the car was speeding when it struck another vehicle. I, I witnessed it. Um, I was holding my child, looking out the window of my house, and I, I saw everything. And it's an image I'll never get uh, out of my mind, and I'm sure everyone in the neighborhood feels the same way. 
In a statement, Toronto Mayor John Tory says, despite the number of tickets issued by these automated cameras, they work and they are changing driver behavior. And there are residents here who believe what the mayor says as well, that it is slowing cars down, but there's others here that think it's really not making a difference. It's just uh, bringing more money into the city. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, John. A motorcyclist has died after a crash in Scarborough yesterday evening. It happened at around 5.30 yesterday near Markham and East Park Boulevard, south of Lawrence. The rider, a man in his 30s, died in hospital. The cause of the crash remains under investigation. Now to a story CTV News Toronto first brought you last night and a new development involving safety concerns at one TDSB school. There have been reports some teachers at York Memorial were afraid to return to work after a student fight. Today, officials at the school addressed the issue publicly. CTV's Allison Hurst is at York Memorial once again tonight and joins us live. Allison. There's now private security that is working here at the school. It's a temporary and immediate measure that staff have taken after an emergency meeting on Monday. Behind these glass doors, meetings are underway about school safety after a second official day of work action taken by staff. The school uh, has a school administration team that is not here right now. 13 staff members did not show up, citing safety concerns as a reason. There was an incident. Um, involving students in the hallway on Friday. Uh, that incident is currently under investigation and our Toronto Police uh, partners are currently involved with that investigation. Toronto Police did not confirm their involvement, but students tell CTV News there was a fight in the hallway. It was in the school, like it was everywhere, like it was spreading and it was just really big. As of Monday, some staff did not come to school with formal work action starting yesterday. I'm missing uh, my first period class. A letter went home to parents and the school board says there is a health and safety team here listening to concerns. It's never easy to bring two school communities who feel very strongly about their own school community together. Many were moved to this school after York Memorial Collegiate was gutted by a fire in 2019. They were briefly sent to Scarlet Heights before coming back to George Harvey. We wanted to bring York Memorial back into the community in which it belonged. So this is why this particular site was chosen. The TDSB says that on top of pandemic challenges have made it hard for the two school communities to come together. Health and safety will continue working with everyone involved. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. More key Freedom Convoy players testified at a federal inquiry into last winter's week-long protest, including high-profile organizer Pat King. The lawyer who advised convoy leaders also took the stand. CTV's Andy Bergeron-Oliver has the details from Ottawa. As police prepared plans to clear the streets last winter, classified information about raids and police operations was being leaked to convoy participants. You were getting information from sympathetic police, is that right? That's correct. Keith Wilson, the lawyer representing convoy leaders and organizers, testified today that those leaks came on a daily basis from active members of the RCMP, OPP, Ottawa Police, even CSIS, who did not believe in vaccine mandates. There was a lot of police officers then and now that believed that what the government did was absolutely wrong. And that intel was critical to protesters who were developing strategies to keep the convoy going as long as possible. He's got a, 
a 22 caliber mind in a 357 world. Tom Morazzo, a former army captain who was let go from a civilian teaching job because of vaccine mandates, was helping craft the plans and the message. Were you referencing Mr. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau? I was. It's a joke. It, I, I literally meant to comment on the man's intelligence. Morazzo maintains the convoy never wanted to overthrow the government and today walked back comments he made in February, suggesting protesters wanted to become part of the government. In no way did I ever mean or intend for us to be part of the government. I wanted them to come and sit literally at a table and start figuring out a way to be an effective opposition. Despite the revelation about leaks, lawyers from the federal government, the OPP and the Ottawa police did not ask Wilson any follow-up questions about the sources of the law enforcement leaks. Annie Bergeron Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. The U.S. Federal Reserve announced a sizable interest rate hike today as it tries to bring down overheated inflation. We have both the tools that we need and the resolve it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. The central bank increased benchmark rates by 75 basis points to 4%. That's its highest level since 2008. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says more interest rate hikes will be needed to slow inflation. The Bank of Canada has sent similar signals in this country. While the fighting continues in Ukraine, Russia is reversing plans that would have added to a global food crisis. Over recent days, Moscow threatened to suspend an international deal on grain exports. The deal allows Ukraine to transport shipments via the Black Sea after a months-long blockade of its ports. Russia wanted out of the agreement after accusing Ukraine of a drone attack near Crimea. But today, the Kremlin says it's spoken with the UN and Turkey, and we will keep the deal in place. Tensions are high across Brazil tonight as supporters of President Jair Bolsonaro refuse to accept his election laws. In Rio de Janeiro, demonstrators chanted calling for a federal intervention. Pro-Bolsonaro protesters have also gathered outside Brazil's military headquarters and blocked roads and highways. The far-right president said on the campaign trail he would not accept an electoral defeat. He still hasn't conceded the race. A landmark deal has been reached to put an end to Ethiopia's bloody civil war. Hundreds of thousands have been killed in the two-year-long conflict between the Ethiopian government and forces in the Tigray region. This also triggered a severe humanitarian crisis. The agreement follows negotiations organized by the African Union in South Africa. Observers say there's still a lot of work ahead to implement and enforce the deal. A regimental funeral was held today in British Columbia for fallen RCMP Constable Shailen Yang. More than 2,000 officers attended the procession in Richmond. Yang was stabbed responding to a call last month in Burnaby. And a suspect faces a first-degree murder charge. The constable's family paid tribute to her humanity, perseverance, and her kindness. Yang had been with the RCMP for three years. She was 31. Closer to home, a tree planting campaign to honor those who have served their country is declaring victory. CTV Sean Lee Thong has more on what organizers are calling the world's largest living tribute. Ron and Linda Johnson always carry a photo of their son, Private Andrew Johnson, who was killed in Bosnia in 2004. Time doesn't heal, it helps. Sad, but pride. 
very proud of our soldiers. Sad for us, for our memories, but pride, that's the overwhelming factor. With their son in mind, these Silver Cross parents are part of a milestone event today. One, two, three. Trees planted outside Fort York are the last of two million planted along the Highway of Heroes, one for every Canadian who has served in the armed forces. 117,000 Canadians lost to war and another two million Canadians, a tree for every one. The Highway of Heroes tree campaign began in 2015 in an effort to beautify the 175-kilometer route from CFB Trenton to the coroner's office in Toronto. More than 4,000 volunteers have planted trees along the highway in 825 different planting locations, and they've raised a stunning $10 million. The ceremony for the final tree planted was attended by former Governor General David Johnson and current Labour Minister but former Veterans Affairs Minister Seamus O'Regan. We're always looking for ways to show how we care and how, how indebted we are to those who have served this country. This is a very small way of doing it, but it is a very meaningful one. The ceremony concluding with Colin and John Angus MacDonald of the Trues playing their song, Highway of Heroes, providing that meaningful way to honor a significant accomplishment. So with their goal met, these trees become a living representation of Canadian service. Two million monuments along the Highway of Heroes that will grow for years to come. Sean Lethong, CTV News. Coming up, they were a pandemic lifeline for some restaurants, a whole new way of dining in T.O. But are those curb lane and sidewalk patios the way to go going forward? The city looking for your feedback. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, we know that inflation is making everything cost more and housing is very expensive in the GTA. Now there's a new home sharing platform that could make sense for some people. You rent out a spare room to try and make some extra money. I'll have the details. Well, now that we have settled into November, let's take a look back at October. I think the month will be remembered for being warmer than normal and also drier than normal. We had a, just over half our regular rainfall amounts. Here's a look at the new norms for November. We are anything but normal right now when it comes to the temperature. We'll talk about what day this week we could end up breaking a temperature record. That's just ahead here on CTV News. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Airbnb changed the landscape when it came to renting vacation properties, and now there's a new website that could do the same for finding someone to live with. With a lack of housing options and rising prices, it's a platform that allows you to rent out empty rooms in your home. Pat Foran explains on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. There are many homes with empty rooms, and there are many people looking for a place to stay. The website Sparrow connects the two and may even begin friendships that can save the landlord and tenant some money. Tessia Hill of Scarborough rents this home and says with inflation and other rising costs, she got permission from her landlord to rent out a room so she could earn extra income. The cost of living is high now, and um, I think, you know, people need to do what they need to do to survive. Hill heard about Sparrow, a website that helps you connect with a person to share a home with. She has used the service twice. Her current roommate is an international student. She's awesome. She's tidy, she cooks, she 
She's just quiet. She stays to herself. Sparrow could help renters find homes and apartments at more budget-friendly prices. The average rent is about $750 a month, depending on the home and location. Sparrow does credit and background checks and tries to match people based on compatibility. So if you think about those who have spare rooms, it's a lot of empty nesters, retirees, seniors. Could be some aspiring home buyers who are struggling to afford that first home. There is a two-month minimum a person must stay. The landlord is charged a one-time fee of one month's rent when a tenant signs up for a year, unless if it's less time than that. Sparrow estimates there are as many as 5 million empty bedrooms across Ontario and 12 million across the country. They say it's an easy way for homeowners and renters to make some extra money. If we can unlock some of this housing supply and help people rent out these spare rooms, we can find a lot of great homes for people and we can ease the cost of home ownership. I had to clean up my spare room. I said, I'm ready for this. Hill says in her case, both roommates she's lived with have become good friends and helped her pay her bills. Sparrow says if you do decide to rent out a portion of your home, you should check with your insurance company to see if any additional coverage may be required. And studies show Canada's rental market continues to become less affordable. The federal government provided a half a million dollars in funding for this program because it's seen as a possible strategy to make housing more affordable. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. All right, another nice day, but conditions are changing right now. That is a shot of downtown, the fog. I mean, you can't see half the buildings. Mother Nature doing a little magic right now. Yeah. What's going on? Well, if you work in one of the top levels of one of those uh, skyscrapers downtown, or perhaps you live on a higher level of a condo building, my goodness, you have quite a view at this hour, literally in the clouds. And this is called radiation fog. It's moving off of Lake Ontario right now, thanks to some cooler, relatively cooler lake temperatures compared to the actual temperature outside. We've been talking about how mild it is is and that pattern is going to continue. Let's tell you everything you need to know. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. And we want to thank our uh, CTV News Chopper for capturing uh, these pretty spectacular images, not only right now, but a little bit earlier this afternoon too. This has everyone talking downtown and if you're joining us from areas outside of communities right along the lakeshore of Lake Ontario, you might be saying, what fog? We don't have any fog here. There's been a haze hanging over the city for several hours now. We've been watching this all day long. Uh, particularly dense at this hour in Niagara. Near, near zero visibility has been reported along with the QEW in Mississauga, Oakville and Burlington. There was a period earlier today too. Highway 401 between Scarborough and Pickering. Uh, some really intense fog there also. This is our upper air pattern. This gives us clues as to the temperature pattern over the next several days and in this case the next week. It looks as though we will remain mild for uh, right through to the middle part of next week. Today, another warm day, not record setting. We needed to make it to 22 degrees in order for that to happen. Through the night tonight, we'll see our temperature fall to about 8. The potential for fog will be there right through the evening hours and in some cases into the overnight. There's the fog advisory. It's a special weather statement issued by Environment Canada and you can see that it encompasses the Golden Horseshoe as well as uh, some communities just uh, north of Lake Erie. Part of the reason for this, uh, the direction of the winds moving off of those lakes. Tomorrow's high is expected to be around 15 degrees 
experience a little bit of a repeat of today, although I do think we're going to see a little more in the way of cloud cover, not only because of the fog in the morning, but also uh, cloud cover will start to lift around midday. A brighter afternoon is in store. Generally speaking, we have high pressure at play, which means a lack of active weather. Here's how this plays out on the forecast radar. So there's the fog a little bit later on this evening. It continues overnight, lifting tomorrow during the daytime hours, and then Friday is looking like a pretty decent day overall. Let's take you through your seven-day forecast. Uh, 18 degrees by Friday. Saturday, we could end up breaking a temperature record at 21 degrees, but it'll be cloudy. We're looking at nighttime showers. The winds pick up, but the sunshine returns for Sunday, and it looks like the milder-than-normal pattern will continue into next week. That's the weather for now. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. While many of you may be wondering if your local patio will be open during this nice stretch of weather, the city is considering the future of a related and popular pandemic era program. Officials want to know what people think should be done about Cafe TO before it ends in about a year. As our Mike Walker explains, responses so far have been mixed. Najinder Sapkota opened his restaurant on the Danforth early on in the pandemic. He says it wouldn't have survived without the Cafe TO program. During um, pandemic time, it is a lifeline. He's happy the city has made the program permanent, but says the number one concern he hears from customers... There's no parking for our people, and when they come to dine-in, they had to run a little bit you know, far from the restaurants. The city is now seeking feedback on Cafe TO through an online survey that it says will help decide on guidelines moving forward, including potential changes to curb lane patios. This summer, more than 1,200 restaurants and bars participated in the program. We would not have survived without this patio. It's helped us uh, with the amount of new business. John Rafferty owns the Rose and Crown in Midtown, which didn't have a patio until Cafe TO launched in 2020 to help restaurants with COVID-19 restrictions. He would like to see more consistent guidelines. Uh, set dates, like your date is this date, it starts then and then it ends on this date. Uh, like, I feel like they kind of, we were the last one to set up in this neighborhood and uh, the first one to be taken down. The city says a similar survey in 2021 saw 10,000 people respond with 91% supporting the continuation of curb lane and sidewalk patios. It's a great idea and I'd like to see them continue it the way it is. I like the fact that it got people out to the restaurants to support them. But this business owner takes issue with the impact on traffic, a concern shared by many. Leave the patios on the sidewalk uh, as opposed to on the streets. It causes so much traffic. It has put on like 10 to 20 minutes on my driving time. Rafferty believes there should be a standard design for curb lane patios to address any safety concerns. He spent his own money on this design. Having a standard structure, a safe structure for people to get around uh, safely around these patios is great. Maybe more onto the sidewalk. The survey is available on the city's website until November 18th. City staff will report to council on proposed changes to the curb lane patios early next year. Mike Walker, CTV News. Also tonight, CTV's chief news anchor and senior editor Omar Sachedina and his mother will join us with a sneak peek of a CTV News special report. An emotional journey to mark 50 years since tens of thousands of lives were changed forever. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. This Friday, you'll want to join us for a CTV News special report. It's an emotional journey as CTV National News Chief News Anchor Omar Sachedina traveled to Uganda with his sister and mother.
after telling other people's stories for 15 years. I want to be able to have some part in telling my own. And an important part of that is to be able to go to my mom's homeland and experience her return for the first time in 50 years. Expelled, My Roots in Uganda is a one-hour documentary capturing Sachedina's journey to his family's homeland for the first time since his parents' expulsion in 1972 when 80,000 Asians were forced to leave the country. And to talk more about his report, we're joined by Omar Sachedina and his mother, Salma. Welcome. What a treat not only to have you, Omar, but Mrs. Sachedina. Salma, your son, he tells stories for a living, but little did we know your family has one of its own. I want to start with you. Describe for us that experience 50 years ago. Well, Melissa, this was uh, 50 years ago that um, I was just listening to the news um, with my family and when the president of uh, then uh, Uganda announced uh, that all uh, Asians are to, be uh, are to be expelled. What happened next uh, is, is just, a, it's a history, honestly. It was so, so scary. Um, at first, I thought um, he's probably joking, and we all had some hope that he will change his mind. But of course, the president did not change his mind, and we just had a, a few um, 90 days, a few months, uh, where we had to pack our clothes and leave the country. It was a, a scary, scary experience. I can only imagine. And this, um, Omar, going back there, this was a journey you got to share together. I'm sure you had heard the stories, but what was it like to actually see where your mother was born and to really witness all that firsthand? Michelle, it was tremendously humbling to witness, uh, you know, that experience with my mom. It's something that we had talked about doing as a family for years, um, and, and also when my dad was around, but we never got a chance to do it with him. He passed away in 2015. And so to be able to do it with her gave me a, a realization of what she went through and what she endured. And I think for so many parents, especially if they've experienced the horrors of history firsthand, they try to protect their children. So they don't talk a little bit, they don't talk a lot about the details of exactly what happened. Uh, but this gave me the deepest understanding, I would say, of what she went through and what 80,000 Asians went through. I mean, imagine, she was, uh, how old were you, 18? I was 19. 19 years old. She was a teenager when she was forced to leave. Everything was ripped apart from her. Uh, she probably didn't even know where she was going, what country she was going in. And she had to set up a, a new life in a, in a new home. And so this gave me a deeper understanding of what she surmounted, what she overcame, not only the fact that she survived, but she thrived. Well, we certainly look forward to the report on Friday. Omar and Salma Sachedina, thanks so much for chatting with us today. Appreciate it. And you can watch Expelled, My Roots in Uganda with Omar Sachedina. It airs this Friday at 9 p.m. right here on CTV. Avatar is still the top grossing movie of all time. And 13 years after its release, the official trailer for the sequel is finally out. We cannot let you bring your war here. The James Cameron movie picks up where the first one left off. It tells the story of a humanoid species trying to defend the lush jungle moon where they live. Avatar The Way of Water features original stars Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana. It hits theaters in December.
Well, the countdown is on for fans of The Last of Us. HBO has set the release date for its adaptation of the smash hit video game series. The darkness is falling, the sky has turned gray. The series is set 20 years after the world is devastated by a zombie apocalypse. It follows two survivors making their way across America. The Last of Us, filmed in Alberta, is filmed in Alberta, and it's been billed as the largest ever TV production in Canada. It begins streaming January 15th. A new Canadian Heritage Minute is out honoring a trailblazer in the city's music scene and queer community. Performed from Montreal to Boston to Los Angeles. But Toronto, that's my chosen home. The new video celebrates soul singer Jackie Shane. She came to Canada from Nashville in the 1960s and found success performing on the Young Street Strip. Historica Canada says Shane left her mark on Toronto's R&B music scene and remains an enduring icon in Toronto and beyond. The school uh, has a school administration team that is not here right now. Updating our top stories, safety concerns at York Memorial Collegiate Institute have led to some staff members walking off the job for a second straight day. Students say the issue is the result of a large fight at the school, though police have not confirmed they are investigating. On my street, Parkdale Road, I'm constantly watching people speed, and we have lots of children on our street. This high park, you know, and I think maybe the police have to enforce in areas where, you know, the drivers could do the most damage. 25 more speed cameras are coming to Toronto neighborhoods, meaning there'll be at least three in each of the city's wards. The cameras won't be active until February 2023, and signs will be posted 90 days in advance to give drivers notice. At this point, you know, without anything changing, we are on strike until further notice starting Friday unless a deal is reached. The union representing 55,000 Ontario education workers says its members will walk off the job on Friday and will not return to work until a deal is reached with the province. The announcement comes as the Ford government is set to pass legislation imposing a four-year collective agreement on workers. Many parents of students with special needs are scrambling to make arrangements before education workers take to the picket lines Friday. And though this is a stressful period, some are in support of a strike because they believe it could lead to better care for their kids. CTV's Andrew Brennan has reaction. About 350,000 students in Ontario have an identified disability and rely on special programming or services. Many of them will have to stay home from school Friday as support staff get set to strike. For Michelle Cousins, that means more time with her daughter. That means I'm not tailing my daughter to school and hanging out all day um, in my van. For a lot of people, it might be inconvenient because they have to arrange childcare and maybe stay home with their children. I am going to be staying home for my, with my child, but there's almost like a sense of reprieve. Her case is different than most. As we told you last week, Cousins spends her school days outside Colette's school in case she needs help. Cousin says as someone who sees the challenges on the ground, better pay could help attract more staff to care for her daughter. We need to take care of those who take care of us. And I, I think that this, unfortunately, is an example of how we're not doing a very good job of that. On the other hand, she says there are times school boards seem hand-tied by contracts and bureaucracy, and she wants that to change. The value 
that these workers provide for our children is priceless. Angela Brandt is the head of the Ontario Autism Coalition, but first and foremost, she's Misha's mother. He was diagnosed on the spectrum when he was 19 months old. The bargaining table impasse, she says, puts parents like her in a hard spot. Parents are scrambling uh, to make arrangements for their children. Um, but if they don't go on strike and the workers don't reach a fair agreement, it's still a very bad situation for our children. Which is why she says the only real answer is a reasonable agreement as soon as possible. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. The high cost of living doesn't seem to be slowing Canadians' plans to spend big this holiday season. An online survey from NerdWallet Canada suggests an average estimated spend of $675 per person on holiday gifts. Nearly three in five shoppers will use a credit card to pay for those expenses, even though 20% are still paying off debt from the previous holiday season. At the same time, it seems like staff shortages will be an ongoing problem this holiday season. Job search site Indeed says postings for seasonal work are up 28% from last year. But the number of job hunters is hovering below pre-pandemic levels. Indeed says season hiring is affected by the overall tight labor market. It suggests employers offer higher wages or flexible schedules to attract workers. On the markets, the loonie was down almost half a cent to close at 72.98 U.S. Oil gained a buck 63 to close at 90 U.S. dollars a barrel, and the TSX lost 240 points to end the day at 19,277. In sports, the Maple Leafs are hoping home ice will help their early season's fortunes. The Buds are coming up four straight road losses out west and have seen their record slide to 4-4-2. Four, four Goal scoring has been an issue for the team. Tonight, the Philadelphia Flyers are in town and on a two-game losing skid of their own. Puck drops at Scotiabank Arena just after 7 p.m. Dalton Jr., Hernan Gomez. The Raptors are also in action tonight, trying to build off Monday's strong showing over Atlanta. A 139-109 win. The Raptors south of the border on a Texas road trip. First up is San Antonio before heading to Dallas to face the Mavs Friday. Tip-off against the Spurs goes in about 90 minutes at 8 tonight. McCullers to Harper. It's good. Right center field. Lightning strikes. 2-0 fills. And the Phillies looking for lightning to strike again at home in Game 4 of the World Series. Philadelphia crushed the oddsmaker favorite Houston Astros 7-0 Tuesday night. It's the squad's second win in a row after dropping Game 1 of the Best of 7 championship. First pitch is just after 8. Just ahead, not your average workday at CTV or at workplaces across the country as Grade 9 students get a first-hand look at the daily grind on this Take Our Kids to Work Day. There's a good chance you had a smiling little tag along with you for much of the day. It's the annual Take Our Kids to Work Day. Thousands of teens across the GTA got a chance to learn more about what their parents do, including those right here at CTV News Toronto. Here's our Austin Delaney.
Rowan Taylor learning the ropes with his dad in the news channel control room with the crew keeping the channel on the air. Ottawa this hour, another day of testimony. Control rooms often referred to as organized chaos to those on a tour or not in the know. How do you remember all the stuff to press? It's so complicating. Like, how do you learn that stuff? Not far away, the TSN control room. Usually your producer's in the front row these days. Back here is your PA who times the show and over here is all your Chiron people, so everything that you see written on screens or... I didn't know that there, there was this many studios. Downstairs, the CTV Toronto studio, with Michelle Dubay and Nathan Downer on the desk reading the new news. And as CTV health reporter Pauline Chan tells us, the hope is that it may even eliminate the need for insulin. It's really big. From what you see on TV, you don't expect all of this. Do you guys want to sit on the set? Another group of grade 9 students on Take Your Kids to Work Day taking a peek over at TSN. The highlight, getting a first-hand look at the set. I watch TSN a lot since my parents work here, so I find it very cool to be behind the scenes. And getting their pictures snapped. I think it's pretty cool. You know, you get to be on TV and everything, so... Would you like to be on TV? Um, yeah, I'm on TV right now, I think. Yeah, you're on TV, all right. You know, many years ago, my nephew wanted to see what his uncle did for a living. He came to bring your kid to work day. Now he's a successful working journalist. Austin Delaney, CTV News. He is, and we love working with Sean. Yeah, it was yeah. fun, you gotta admit. Glad that Take Our Kids to Work Day is back. Okay, mm -hmm. we have a stellar day tomorrow weather-wise. Bring us up to speed. Yeah, we do. First, we have to get through tonight, and that dense fog that's out there in some areas, especially uh, just hugging the shoreline of Lake Ontario. Here's tonight at a glance. Temperature-wise, we're going to stay pretty mild overnight. Eight degrees is the forecast low. There's one more look at the fog advisory, expecting that this might expand through the night tonight. And then how about tomorrow? Once again, a mix of sun and cloud, possible. We'll have a little more cloud than sun, but look at the stretch of temperatures right into the weekend. Saturday looks like the warmest day of the week. Nathan and Michelle. Love it. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.